0: This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. We were talking about about evil and, and its nature, Satan, and so on. I want to carry on uh, now uh, with uh, the other side that we have to look at this, this has come up in conversation but it is important um, to remember that Satan is a creature uh, therefore inferior to God. Satan was made good. Uh, and his uh, evil is a rebellion, it is not something that is is built into his nature uh, that he cannot do anything about or could not do anything about. That is important, um, that evil is not to be regarded as a defect uh, in the structure uh, of his being or something like this, uh, but uh, as a rebellion uh, against the will of, of his creator and in this sense of course it is analogous to our rebellion satan cannot lead us into anything that he does not himself possess or experience i mean he can't um, make us suffer in a way that he does not suffer himself Um, so uh, we can legitimately see our own problem uh, as a kind of microcosm if you like a kind of um, picture image of of what went wrong with him. Now the other side of this of course is uh, that uh, and this is true both of Satan and of ourselves that the fact that we have rebelled against God does not in any way diminish God. Um, uh, God is still who he is uh, because he is who he is in eternity. So. Uh, You cannot take away anything from God, Um, uh, you know, diminish him or reduce his power. And this is important because, of course, uh, obviously if if this were the case, if our rebellion had somehow weakened God. this would raise the the, the question of whether we could be saved at all. I mean, whether salvation uh, would have any meaning, because uh, what could a weakened God do, uh, you know, uh, for us? Um, And uh, in order for salvation to have any meaning, um, of course, God must not only be able to to provide it, um, but he must be able to to maintain it, uh, you know, to Uh, to deliver us from evil, uh, as the Lord's Prayer puts it, uh, but also to maintain us uh, in that state of deliverance. You see, not just to let us out so that we could fall back into it at some stage, um, uh, but to to clear us for good. Um, And again, uh, this may seem obvious on the surface, but not necessarily. For instance, uh, if you compare God to a doctor, Uh, I mean, a doctor might be able to provide, give you medicine which will heal you from whatever it is that's wrong with you at the moment, but the doctor cannot guarantee that you will never get sick again. Um, You you know, it's not a definitive uh, deliverance, whereas uh, in God's case it, it, it is, and so he has to have the power to do this. How can he have the power to do this? Well, of course, uh, again, look at the doctor. Uh, why can the doctor not guarantee that you are, you know, once he cures you of whatever it is is wrong, uh, that you will never get sick again or you will never have any problem again? Well, the doctor cannot guarantee this because he has no control over the forces that might, you know, bring disease or, or, or something back into your life. I mean, he can't, uh, you know, he, he doesn't control those things. Whereas the deliverance that we have in Christ, uh, being eternal, uh, of course God must have this power. You see, uh, He must be able to prevent um, uh, any 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 uh, back, well backsliding, but any kind of um, repeat, uh, you know, of, of what we have been through before. Now how can he have this power? Well of course he can only have this power if he is sovereign, if he is in control of everything that goes on because otherwise um, uh, you know if there's something that God does not control or or cannot foresee uh, then um, it's always possible uh, that it might come back to hit us uh, you know and God won't be able to do anything about it. Now Uh, This idea, of course, uh, although it sounds um, attractive, uh, has got to be wrong. uh, Because if it were true, there would really be no salvation. Uh, There might be remission um, uh, for the time being, uh, but it certainly wouldn't be eternal salvation. You you wouldn't be able to trust uh, or to have the assurance that it would last forever. This, of course, means in turn that there are certain things we have to say about God, um, uh, and His power and ability uh, before we actually talk about salvation. You see that our, uh, because salvation is an expression um, of God's ability, of God's power, of God's plan and God's will, and so on. The first thing, of course, is that God does, is not bound by His creation. I said this right at the beginning. This is another aspect of the fact that God has created the world outside of himself. If the creation were an extension of God's own being, then he would be bound to it because he's bound to his own being. And so whatever happened in creation, I mean, would happen and God could not do anything about it. But because God is not tied to his creation in this way. He is is in control of his creation and can do with it as he wishes. Um, uh, He he is not uh, constrained or limited uh, in that respect. Um, This is what we call of course his sovereignty. His sovereignty which is manifested in practice in what we call his providence. God is sovereign not simply because he created the world, but also because he maintains it in being. Um, uh, That God has not abandoned his creation, uh, but he he supervises it. He he, he is in control of of what goes on. Uh, And this, uh, of course, means that although creation in itself is not like God, I mean, it doesn't share his being, his essence. Um, It is subject to God, and therefore uh, uh, what happens to it reflects the character of God. Now, we have to be very careful about this, um, because if I say, creation reflects the character of God, uh, just like that, uh, you're liable to think that this is the the, the being of creation, the matter, the material substance and so on, somehow reflects the character of God. I'm not saying that. Um, What I'm saying is uh, that uh, the way in which things work out in the world um, uh, reflects God's plan and purpose for it. Uh, you know that nothing can happen in the created order uh, that he is not ultimately uh, in charge of. I mean he, you know he he has uh, allowed this to happen for whatever reason. Now this is this is necessary. we have to think this way because if God is not, as I say, if God is not in control, we have no assurance of salvation. I mean you you don't you just don't know. Um, you know you might you might catch him on his day off or something like this. I mean, it just wouldn't work, you know, in, in, uh, in that way. It also means that there is a unity of purpose in the world, uh, a coherent logic somewhere along the line um, that, you know, th- th- it makes sense. Now, again, you see, this may seem um, hard to believe, and lots of people in the world, I mean, lots of civilizations and, you know, group, tribal groups and so on, have failed to see this. They have not understood that the universe is a coherent whole. But of course, in those cultures, in those civilizations, I mean, if, if, if things happen, you know, without explanation, if there's just a, you, you just don't know what's going on. There can be no development of something like natural science. Because natural science presupposes order. If there's no order, there can be no science. Because what we call scientific laws wouldn't work. Now, this is not to say, of course, and here we have to see the other side, This is not to say that everything that happens in the world can be reduced to a simple set of laws that you can learn and and it will all just happen like that. Um, I mean, one of the things that science has discovered is how complex the world actually is. Uh, You know, that there are are not simple solutions to things. Um, And this has been particularly, of course, true in the 20th century, uh, with the overthrow of uh, say of Newtonian physics, um, the idea that uh, you know there's a fixed uh, order and everything happens according to a certain you know plan and so on that you can you can work out um, the uh, uh, the idea of randomness, the idea of unpredictability, uh, and so on. You see. Uh, that the uncertainty principle, as it's called, um, which comes in, and this has been a discovery, if you like, of more recent times. Now, you have to, be, again, be careful with this because what we call the uncertainty principle, which says, you know, that, that things happen in, in ways that cannot be explained and, uh, or predetermined. Uh, you can't manipulate this um, in, in advance. Uh, the way the atoms work and so on you know there's a certain um, whatever happens is not yeah, something that you can you can um, it's not mechanical in the sense that you can reproduce it yourself uh, so that would happen like that does not mean um, that it's truly random um, I have a, a godson who's a who's a, a, a Physicist and a pure mathematician and all that kind of thing, and and he assures me. I I ask him this all the time, and he says, well, no. He said that we don't understand everything, but we work on the principle that nothing is accidental. You know, there's no such thing as an accident. All there is is lack of understanding on, on our part. You see, what appears to be an accident. And I said, well, do you think we'll ever get to the point of of understanding it? And it's no, probably not, because um, every time we solve one problem, a whole lot more uh, emerge, you know, this is what has happened. I mean, Newtonian physics has collapsed, not because, um, uh, you know, uh, Newton was proved to be wrong, particularly, but because People have gone more deeply into the into questions. They've penetrated to a deeper level and seen that it's more complex than he imagined. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's it's that sort of thing. And he said that, you know, when we solve the problems that we we find now, he said it's quite likely that you know the another level will open up and we'll suddenly see that there's there's something underneath that we didn't previously imagine you see so the so that this could go on and on you know more or less forever and probably human the human mind will never get to the point of um, of solving it altogether. Uh, but of course Christian faith and Christian belief is not affected by this Uh, you see any the next scientific discovery cannot Change Christian belief because Christian belief is based on something else. It's not based on a particular view of science or, or physics or, or whatever. Um, it, it is based on a knowledge of God who made the universe and the, the faith that, however complex it is and however hard it is for us to understand, um, nevertheless makes sense in the mind of God. And it doesn't bother us that we don't understand it. Well, it might bother us in some ways, but it, it shouldn't bother us because it says in the Bible, in Isaiah, you know, my, as God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways, your ways, uh, higher than your ways, um, that this is, this, is, this is only to be expected, that we who have finite brains and, and tiny minds Cannot possibly expect to understand everything that God does and says. And God says this to Job. You see, in Job chapter 38, uh, when uh, Job's trials come to an end and so on, um, God intervenes and basically says, um, "You're looking for answers to something that is, uh, 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 that is too deep for you to understand." You know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I created the world? You know there's a whole dimension of reality here that you just can't grasp. And and this is why, of course, we walk by faith and not by sight, because we believe we have a relationship with a God who is uh, a lot deeper, shall we say, if I can use that word, uh, than we imagine. Now to people who say, well, Is that really faith? Is that you know? What what, what can we make of this? I think the answer has to be that our relationship to God, personal, is a personal relationship, which is similar to our relationship with with everybody. Um, That all personal relationships, whatever they are, human relationships as well as divine, um, contain this element of uh, of faith. Uh, And uh, because we cannot know all there is to know um, about another person, Uh, we don't know all there is to know about ourselves. I mean, there's lots about ourselves that we don't understand. Uh, And uh, so, how can we possibly expect to understand another person totally? Um, You know, you just have to go walk by faith and assume that you know that's the you know that that's the. Um, the way it is and, uh, and trust uh, in, any, in any relationship, uh, you know that, that uh, it will develop along certain lines. And of course this is true of God. The difference between God and us is that where we have partial knowledge of ourself, God has full knowledge of himself and we can therefore trust him for that that although we cannot see the answer, we cannot see the, the, the reasons why certain things happen, he does know. You know uh, in his mind um, it's all working out uh, you know, for, the, for the good, for our good. Uh, and he's told us this, you know, that all things work together for good uh, to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. This is the faith that we are called to have. This does not mean, of course, that it is easy uh, or that we have easy solutions to things because, of course, we're forever having to to deal um, with with bad things, with things that happen that we wish hadn't happened uh, and that we can't explain, we can't understand. Uh, And various solutions have been proposed to this when it comes to the point of view of God. Um, you say, well, if something bad happens, does it happen because God wanted it to happen? I mean, did God actually plan this to happen? Or did it happen because, although God didn't want it, He could see it coming? You know, He knew it would, because He could see how those involved were heading in that direction you see, so he, he, he could see it all about to happen. Or um, is it part of the freedom which he gives to his creatures, to you and me, uh, to sort of make our own lives and if we go wrong, well, you know, then he, he may have to intervene but, but it's not something that he was primarily in control of. Well when you look at these different possibilities and then you look at God himself who he is, the only consistent position is to believe that everything that happens in the world happens because God has allowed it to happen. Whether he is the direct cause of these things or the indirect cause, you see whether he's done it himself or allowed, or, or encouraged, or whatever, one of his other creatures to do it. I don't think you can really say, God did not know. Uh, you know, and that this is not part of, his, part of his plan, in some way. This clashes, of course, with our sense of morality, of our sense of right and wrong. I mean, let's take a, 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 a very clear example to see how problematic this can be in the middle of the 20th century 6 million Jewish people perished for no reason except the fact that they were Jews you know in 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 Europe everybody agrees that this was a terrible thing to happen It was particularly terrible because, of course, Jews are God's chosen people. So you might think that God had some kind of special obligation to them. I'm not saying he does, but you you could imagine somebody thinking that way. And so the question becomes even more acute. If that is the case, how did this happen? Um, I mean, where was God? You see, well, all this was going on. Why did he allow something like that to happen? Now, that's kind of the macro scene, if you like, the big scene. Not many people, some people think like that, but I mean, most of us, of course, are never involved in evil of that scale. But we see things going on around us, and we think, think certain things that shouldn't, shouldn't have happened. Why did it happen? You know, why was so and so struck dead? Why would why why did you know a flood come here and, and, and lightning strike there and, uh, and, and so on? You know, could this have happened some other way? And why, if, if if so, why didn't it? Um, you know, or why did it happen at all? I mean, why did, why did these things uh, go on? And this problem, which is known in theology, there's a word for this. It's called theodicy. Um, which is the, 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 the problem of evil in a world governed by God, by a God who is good. The Theos bit, of course, is God. Uh, the Dicey bit um, is uh, from the word, uh, the Greek word for judgment. Um, you see, I mean, who, uh, what is the nature of divine judgment? What is the nature of divine rule? Is there a, a logic is, in this? Is there a moral basis uh, for this? Now there's no point pretending that we have an easy answer. We don't. Um, The Christian Church has survived for 2,000 years asking this question. And because this is the case, I mean, the first thing we have to say is we must not expect to come up with an answer. I'm not saying there is no answer. I'm not even saying that one day someone might not come up with it. You know, maybe that's, maybe they will. Who knows? I, you know, not for me to say that this will never happen. But it hasn't happened yet. And the, we've been around for quite a long time. I mean 2,000 years is a fairly long time. You know. It's almost as long as it takes for the light to change if you're crossing the road here. Uh, you know, you ever push that button and wait? I mean, you would be there forever. Um, but, so we don't, you see, we, 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 uh, we know that God is somehow in control of these things. But we don't know how. And again, this is where faith uh, is tested. Uh, We've got to have faith. We've got to have the faith that that God knows what he's doing. But because we don't know know the answer, we we can't say why he's doing whatever it is he's doing, we're stuck in a way. You see, we're we're left hanging with with no real answer. And this, we, we mustn't um, uh, go soft on this because this is a huge pastoral problem. I mean, it's one thing for you and me to sit here and, and, and draw up theoretical schemes on the blackboard and say, well, uh, you know, it's got to work like this and not like that in a kind of abstract way. But if you're dealing with somebody uh, who is going through something that they don't think they should be going through, you know, like the death of a child or something like this, something that seems to be outside the natural order and therefore somehow wrong uh, in some way, sort of pushing them off with with simple solutions, say, oh, don't worry about it, God knows what he's doing, um, is unlikely to be very convincing to them. You know, they're not going to be persuaded by this. Conversely, of course, if we say, (coughs) well, you know, this happened because, you know, God God had a night off or God didn't really know what he was doing or, um, you know, there are forces in the world which uh, go against God uh, or something of that kind, we could find ourselves denying our faith in the interests of uh, being kind to people who are suffering. You know, not trying to give them the impression that we don't care or that it doesn't matter or something of this kind. The difficulty, of course, if you say that, is you might be solving or, or at least dealing with one side of it, that God is not a cruel evil uh, God who, you know, inflicts these things on people just because he's mean and miserable and wants you to be mean and miserable too. Uh, You know, it's not not that. Uh, But you get away from that. But at the same time, you also undercut any notion of salvation. Because if God didn't intervene to prevent some kind of disaster happening to you, what basis could you have for saying that at some other point, for some other reason, he will intervene? You know, he hasn't done it so far, why should he do it now? Can he do it now? I mean, does God have a power for this? And I say this because a lot of people in the world today who have lost their faith have lost it more or less for this reason, you know, they prayed to God and it didn't work. I tried, you know, I, I tried something. Uh, I asked God to help me or do something. He didn't. Uh, it didn't happen. And so now I don't believe there's a God anymore. You know, there are an awful lot of people like that around, uh, and we need to uh, we need to bear this in mind. People who are bitter, people who are carrying a burden in their heart, um, because they're somehow convinced that. Uh, they haven't got what they feel they're entitled to right? uh, from God. So we need to be very aware of this and very aware of how deep a problem it is. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.